everyone, and welcome to the fourth ever episode of the Through the Lens podcast, covering all things movies, brought to you by WGL 91.1. I'm Alex Houston, alongside Davis Carroll, and we thank you all for joining us on what will be quite an episode, quite a jam-packed episode, covering two all-time classics, both from our childhood, I would say. Personally, I feel like it might be leaning towards mine more, because I was one of those Scooby-Doo kids. Like, that's all I, that's literally all I watch. Yeah, that's, so that gives it away. We are going to be that covering, spirit. oh, sorry. <laughs> we're going to be covering Scooby-Doo and like Scooby-Doo been, 2, Monsters title, Unleashed. So. Hopefully two, they read the title. Two all-time classic films, and I mean, perfectly fitting in with the, quote, spooky season. Yes, it's because spooky, it's let's not forget, month of movies. It is spooky month of movies. If you have and, any movie recommendations, shoot us an email. I mean, might as well. And, of course, we're going to begin everything as we do every episode with our look at everything going on in the pop culture world. Now, we were not here last week, so I didn't get to yell about it, so I'm going to say it very briefly. Oh, my God. The Boys. Watch it. You know, you ever heard the thing where, like, you hype something up so much? I'm that not. That people's expectations is so high that they're like, and then when they watch they're like, it was okay. I feel like that's what you're doing with The Boys. But I'm not. Or it's kind of like, you know, like, the thing where, like, you're about to wash the dishes, and then your mom's like, wash the dishes. And you're like, now I don't want to anymore. Hmm? You never, like, you're about to do something, and someone tells you to do that very thing. Or, like, when you have to read a book for class. Actually, I do, because my dad is, like, he's watching the new Walking Dead Beyond show, and he said it was like Riverdale, but The Walking Dead. And I'm like, why are you watching that? I said the boys. He said, I know, but I'm very busy. And I'm like, that's not the same thing. No, but it's like it's like now that I told him to watch the boys, oh, he's like, no. I, I mean, I it's guess. Like, no. but, but like, still. you know, like when you have to read a book for class, you just don't want to. But you, when you, if you want to read a book on your own, you'll do it. It's fair. That's fair. I apologize that I'm very excited yeah, about a very good peer show. Peer pressure for the boys. Maybe I apologize. It's it's my fault. I'm sorry, but I think I've said enough because if you aren't watching it already, you're just missing out. That's all I can say. But anyway, on to much more important things going on in the pop culture world. Mel Gibson's back on our screens, ladies and gentlemen. And for what I think will be an all-time classic, if you haven't heard of it, stop this podcast right now and look up its trailer. It's called Fat Man. Mel Gibson plays a disgruntled, disillusioned Santa Claus. Skinny Santa. Skinny Santa. He's not fat. He called himself the Fat Man, though, because it's like Batman, but the Fat Man. It's like, he's like, uh, I'll come while you're sleeping. He's like, the Fat Man. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, I wrote on our outline, I said, what is it and why? Is it? And I feel like that's perfectly. I mean, I think it's going to be hilariously ridiculous. I mean, it has also has Walter Goggins or Walton Goggins. He's in uh, the Mag- Magnificent Seven. He's also uh, famously from the TV show Justified. He uh, Sons won of a couple awards for that. He's in some decent movies. He's in. Gen- oh, he is in Django. He is in Django. That's right. That's right. He is. And I mean, you know, again, it it's going to be a weird movie. Make no mistake about it. I don't think it's going to be. I don't. I watched the trailer. It doesn't look like it's going to be that good to me. I think it's going to be ridiculous. I think they're trying to make it like so bad it's good kind of movie. Which like, is why I will be there opening night. I don't. I feel like since Sharknado kind of started that whole thing, those aren't like we get it. It's bad on purpose. You're La- cool, ladies and gentlemen. Mark down this moment because it, I, I'd love for it to be good because it does look like it had. It's somewhat interesting. I cannot wait till our Fat Man centric episode, mm. <laughs> dissecting the 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 underlying themes. Is is disillusion Santa Claus Mel Gibson? Is it just a metaphor for Mel Gibson as an actor? Is him getting killed him getting canceled? Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Let's all take a step back. We don't want to get into all that. 
that's for the fat man centric episode where we look at Mel Gibson's career and <laughs> how that went. In retrospect, greatest director ever, person questionable. Is he? He's not. The, what? He's greatest, made some great movies. Yeah, but like, no, I, I know. It's just, it's just. I think it's funny most because historically inaccurate no, director ever. Yes. But I mean, you, you do remember the movies he's directed? Though. Yes, I do. Like Apocalypto, Braveheart. Uh, did he make The Patriot? The Passion of the Christ? He didn't make The Patriot. He was in The Patriot. Yes, he was. Was he in Master Master and Commander? Is a whole different thing. That's he, not even. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which I love. I love that movie. I think it's probably his best movie. Uh, I would say I would say director wise, I think Passion of the Christ is his best movie. But that's a whole that's for our Mel Gibson centric episode. That, that, I suppose. that is a good movie. I just feel like Hacksaw Ridge is. I guess well, that's more okay. rewatchable, way more let, rewatchable. Let me Passion say, of the Christ is an let experience. Me, let me say this. I think when you're looking at a director, you've got to look at not just the script of the movie, you know? Like what the like some of the shots in those movies are is that in that movie I, I mean, think is very the unique. shots in Hacksaw Ridge or like some of them are insane. Look, but that's cinematographer. My, what do, do the directors even do anything honestly? Well the direct the directors frame oh, the scene shit. for the you know what I mean though. But um Still, okay, that's for our Mel Gibson-centric episode, but my point was that he's a surprisingly good director. But still, Fat Man, I mean, go see it. <laughs> if, you're feeling, if you're feeling in the Christmas mood, watch the put on ma- some Mariah Carey on the way to the theaters, and then go see it. Christmas movies. Wait for, get ready for December. Oh, yeah. We got yeah. Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 3. No, that's die not Harder. Christmas, actually. No, Die Hard 2 is Die Harder. What's Die Hard 3? Die, die Hard, Hard with is? Vengeance. Oh. Yes. Why didn't they do Die Hardest? Because that was just dumb. Harder than Hardest. That with a vengeance, he didn't even die in it. Well, yeah, but that's. I don't know, Davis. This is not. And they made the one with the kid as his, as his son. Who was that? That like... was um a good day to die hard. Who played? Oh, it was Jai Courtney. They tried hard to get Jai Courtney as a big actor. <laughs> that, that is true. He he's, he's tried his best. Anyway. Anyway, on to other big pop culture news. Uh, trailer released the la- over the last week called Mank, directed by David Fincher, Fincher's next big project. And it is uh, led by Gary Oldman, Lily Collins, Amanda Seyfried, and a host of other actors, including Charles Dance. And it'll be debuting December 4th, 2020. And I don't know if you caught that trailer, Davis, but... It's about Citizen Kane, or the director of Citizen Kane. Yeah, Herman J. Mankiewicz's tumultuous development of Orson Welles' iconic masterpiece, Citizen Kane. And, of course, it's Fincher. It's all in black and white. It looks as unique as all of his other films. It's going to be good. And I feel, if we're going to watch that, we have to watch Citizen Kane first. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think... I've been meaning to watch that. That's a good episode. Oh, wow. Actually, that'd, I think that'd be is a it, very... Is it the greatest? Because I've heard people say this. It's good, but, like, not the greatest. That's true. That's true. And I've heard I that I love as some well. Gary Oldman, too. And that, th- I mean, I really think this is just going to be another great movie. Fincher does... Again... It's going to be a different movie. Outside of me. Alien Cubed, he doesn't really have <laughs> bad movies. Really. That's true. He does... He, like, even his worst movies are like, okay, that's good. All right, so I got a question for you about Gary Oldman. What's up? What is his best movie? Darkest Hour. Oh. You've seen it? No. It I was going to say, I thought he was really good in Leon, The Professional. Uh, oh. That, okay, that is a very good performance, but Darkest Hour okay, has so many Okay, best performance, scenes. not best movie. Um, no, still, okay. Like once you see it, cause, like there's certain scenes in that movie that I don't want to spoil for anybody because it's such a good movie, but you'll see it and you'll just be like, Wow. Like, you know how people make jokes about Lincoln? They're like, oh, we're watching Abraham Lincoln. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. He, you believe he is Winston Churchill. Now, he doesn't even do an impression of him. He just, he just plays it so... It's so good. It's so good. 
Leon the Professional was essentially like his coming out party. He's like, hey that guys, movie, here I am. Like he plays certifiably yep. insane. Yep, no, and, that, so and that's good at that. that was that was his, you know, that's where you're like, okay, Gary Oldman is that guy. And everything else afterwards has been, okay, he's just reaffirming that Gary Oldman is that guy. And Mank is going to be an incredible movie with David Fincher on director. And now we get to everybody's favorite stuff, the comic book section of our pop culture news. Set photos have been coming out week after day after day, week after week from the Batman since Robert Pattinson was able to return to production after coming down with COVID-19. And it's been a host of things. Most notably have been the pictures. I don't know if you've seen them, Davis, but it's Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Have you seen it? No, I'm, about, I'm looking at my Google right it now. right now. What? It is. Oh, uh, we're just going to wait till you see it because I'm it's. I'm looking at him right now. You can talk. Do you see it? No, I can't. I'm having trouble. There's a picture of Let me Batman see on the liver building. Let me see. Chill out. I, 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 I was just currently trying to take my laptop. No, I right want to see if you're looking at the photo. Maybe you don't recognize him. I'm looking. I haven't even. I've only seen two photos. What do you. Did you just Google? Yes. What else do you want me to do? Colin Farrell as the penguin. Okay, I found it. I found it. And? Oh, my gosh. Yep. What I say? I, see, it was worth it, wasn't it? I don't like the long hair on Pattinson, though. It looks weird. I mean, it it, it fits Batman of the comic books, so, at times. Bruce I mean, Wayne, at least. Yes, but, I mean, he looks like he looks like a, a an emo Batman with that hair. Batman is... I get that he is, but, like, I'm used to him with, like, the crew cut. Well, yeah, that's because that's what the movie adaptations have been this is probably we're getting a more accurate take on it than I feel like before he has crew cuts in a lot of the comics but too. It, it but in the beginning no but this is the beginning of his career okay, that's fair. so that's where it was it, it, how it, old is he supposed to be in these like 20 um, something so there's a comic called batman year one this is after that so he's like 25 ish so but yeah the, you, you, that's an incredible prosthetics yeah, yeah, isn't that's it? not i'm not convinced that's colin farrell it is you you can see it a bit in the eyes sometimes for some of the scenes actually or some of the pictures. But and also Colin um, Farrell's underrated. So that's true. We can get into that in a whole other episode as well. Um and also, um, so this movie's dealing with uh, a Halloween um storyline. I can't remember what the name of the, the comic long book Halloween. is. Yes, that was it. Sorry. Ah, boom. I should have known that. And um actually there have been, you know, obviously including that around Halloween, there's going to be a Halloween party. They showed pictures on the set of the party, and someone was dressed up as Christopher Reeve's Superman, which means either the Superman exists in this universe or the films exist, which is even weirder. I feel like he'll actually exist because I think – I have a theory. If this movie does good, they're going to put him into the main universe. I actually don't think that's what they're going to do. I have, I believe that, you know – Or they'll have a – oh. Whatever, whatever the DC, whatever DC does, the M Marvel and the MCU will take that and try and do it better. We've seen it before with Batman vs Superman. They're like, oh, they're doing that. Let's just Civil War that stuff. It all works out. They did that, mm -hmm. and Kevin Feige admitted that that's why they did that. It was a reaction. And what we're going to talk about in a minute is a reaction to the fact that I think DC is building a multiverse yeah, of sorts. Say, so I, th I, 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 can see I that. think that. You know, because plus it helps because Christopher Reeve's universe has not been established with anything else. So you can throw Robert Pattinson in there and keep him isolated if you need to. Well, I mean, the DC TV show has already started the multiverse. No, yeah, no, thing. I agree. I agree. I'm saying that by, by putting him in the Christopher Reeve universe, it puts him like cut up everything else. You can, like, if you want to make it only standalone, you could, and it would be feasible. So here's how I think they'll do it. Because in the comics, sometimes they'll have like, they'll have the infinite Christ on the infinite earth things. And then, like, after that, will kind of restart the new cycle. Yeah. But sometimes they'll keep characters from the old ones that are, like, fan yep. favorites. I think they'll end up probably, like, smashing some of them together, like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. 
will somehow end up in the new bat. I'm not. I think. Like, I think it'd be really hard to do. The next three years are very, very important. But if they stick the landing, that'd be very impressive. If if they manage to have a recovery from what happened, because let's not forget, Batman vs Superman was a financial and critical flop. It's, regardless, it's not as bad as everybody. It's bad. Re- regardless it's bad. of what you think of that movie, it flopped, and that's it that. It did flop. Yeah. And, um. If they're able to turn around, and, and Justice League was an even worse mistake than that. I'm I'm hyped to see the 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 recut. I, I agree, I agree. But if DC can come back from that, that would be very impressive. But on the other side, I mentioned that Marvel does anything you can do, I can do better. Rumors have been swirling for the past week and a half that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire have wait, in wait. fact signed on. I, but I just thought about some for Robert Pattinson. Go ahead. Is he going to want to work on the DC franchise? Because he's more of a standalone movie act his butt off and then go on to another movie. Well, theory could be he he had to do that standalone stuff and he talked about this a bit briefly that he had to do that to basically rebuild his reputation. Okay, that's that. fair because Twilight. And, and yeah, cuz I mean most p- the people didn't survive Twilight. That were in that films, they did not make Some out, of, them come out of it. So, Taylor Lautner, terrible actor. Yeah, Kristen I, Stewart, eh. She wasn't great in those movies regardless. She had she I've seen her in a few she's movies. She's had moments okay, in other movies, but, like, but yeah, I agree. And I think that's why he was doing that and I think this is his, you know. But he's this good. Is, this he's, is yeah, he is. And this is his ticket right back in. Lighthouse? So. Whoa. I haven't seen the movie but Eclipse. Uh, I know. What? Well, calm down. Calm down. That's a spooky movie. We should do that. It's in black and white. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But anyway, so and finally, in our last little bit of news going on around the pop culture world, as I said, rumors, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, the first two live-action Spider-Men, have rumored to be signing or negotiating a deal to appear in Spider-Man 3. That is Tom Holland's Spider-Man 3, not Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3, for clarification. They'll give it a name to clarify. But Sony was asked this directly and said, um, those rumored signings are not confirmed. They didn't say no. They didn't say no. And ladies and gentlemen, let me be clear on something. I want to announce this to you all. Some of you may agree, some of you may disagree. But if I'm sitting in the theaters and Danny Elfman's Spider-Man theme of Tobey Maguire's era appears at some point, I will throw my popcorn bucket. It will be akin to when me and Davis heard Mace Windu during Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and freaked out. This is a huge opportunity. Because regardless of the flaws that the original Spider-Man Tom McGuire had, regardless of the flaws the amazing Spider-Man of Andrew Garfield had, the actors were loved. Their characters were almost universally enjoyed, really. Other than, you know, weird, like the fact Tom McGuire was like a 38-year-old college student, <laughs> which is, yeah, I mean, they were good. They had their moments. And There's the so many is, good quotes from the original Tobey Maguire ones. That's true. I, just, I, I agree. I agree. And so many good villains. Don't even get me started on that. If they if they introduce those somehow, I would... I would love for Willem Dafoe to come back. And I some, agree. I don't think he will since he's technically dead. And, that's true. That's true. But um, there is the whole multiverse idea of multiple people within it played by the same yeah, person. Yeah. There's that theory as well. So, again, that's... But that, that about wraps up all of our news, which means we can finally get into the nitty-gritty, into what I know you're all here for. That is Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, two all-time classics. I mean, do we just want to get right into the first one, Davis? What else would we do? I, I, I just, just you know, yell quotes from it? <laughs> I mean... Later on. <laughs> we'll get into that in a second, but um, the question is, Davis, I wrote this down, I want to ask you, what were these movies, Davis? What the heck were these movies? You know, <laughs> they're live-action Scooby-Doo's. I mean, that's literally what they are. I mean, like... <laughs> This this is probably one of the better adaptations of a cartoon to screen. I'd say just like pure. 
Yeah. It, it wasn't originally going to be like that, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, we will talk like, about it. Um, I mean, it's just... I think the second one's better at than the first one, though. It, there's certain scenes in this movie that... Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the second one is better than the first one, in my opinion. I mean, you, sh- you know, I'm just going to read off a bit of the cast from the... Uh, also, actually, the director of these movies also made Beverly Hills, Chihuahua, and both of the Smurfs. Davis wrote that down. So Roger Gosnell is his tru- truly, uh, truly, I am... Uh, Works with the CGI characters, or like that. <laughs> actually, though, yeah, that's actually a very good point that I didn't even think about. I was just gonna make some sort of joke, but th- this is his field. Clearly, yeah. is the live action animated uh, mesh, which was a very two thousands. You know, thing. I feel like one day we're gonna look back on Beverly Hills Chihuahuas, and we're gonna be. Are we already looking back on it and be like regretting that that was made? I'm not even. I honestly, I forget. I, I forgot about that movie till I just read it. You know, one time this might sound weird, but I went to the. Uh, I went to my dentist when I was a kid. Whoa, they, Davis went to the dentist. Who would have thought? <laughs> and they had to like get me ready. I was a little, I was like younger. I was probably like eight or something. And to get me ready for like to get my teeth done or whatever, they had a Beverly Hills Chihuahua thing for the dentist. It was like them driving around in a car around the dentist's office. They're like, let's go get our teeth done or whatever. I'm not going to do the accent because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but I was like, as a kid, I was like, well, this is so cool. With looking back on it, what? <laughs> like, what was that movie? <laughs> that had George Lopez and Drew Barrymore and Andy Garcia. It, <laughs> what? Jamie Lee Curtis. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, Andy Garcia, known for being in The Godfather and Ocean's Eleven. That's true. That's true. That is true. But. I mean, just going down the list of this cast, ladies and gentlemen, Freddie Prinze Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Matthew Lillard, most famously from Scream, I would say, other than the Scooby-Doo movies. And uh, She's All That, seen with Freddie Prinze Jr. Oh, ah, yeah, no, yeah, Freddie Prinze Jr. is in that. They were, Lind- in, they were in five movies together. They were? Before, they, before this one. Linda Cardellini, of course, Scooby. Sugar Ray, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Sugar Ray is in this film. Mr. Bean... <laughs> Isla Fisher, before she became Isla Fisher, I feel like, you know. And, of course, um, you've got Frank Welker, the, or Fred Welker, the original voice actor for... Scooby-Doo and Fred. It's and Frank. He, it's Frank Welker. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he, he plays just a monster, you said? Yeah, he just does the voice of, like, a cameo. I mean, he, he even to, to this day, he's 74, and he's still doing the voice of Scooby in a lot of things. Dang, very impressive. He was in Scoob, not as... Wait, I think he was Scooby, actually. Like that new yeah, uh, movie was, they released. Yeah, he uh, was in Scoob as Scooby. He's been in. He's one of the most. Uh, what's the word? Not luxurious, like. I'm not the synonym for successful voice actors of all time. Prominent. Prominent. That's it. Yeah. Like just look at it. He's in Aladdin. Like four he, different Scooby Doo's. You know, because Garfield. for every movie that has you know the likes of uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks's voice actors, you've got these career voice actors that make their living off of just doing this. Because there's Tom Kenny's a great example of a guy who, of course, SpongeBob has really blown up his career, but he still does all kinds of stuff because he has such a talent. Billy West voice. is one of those too. He You're was right. in Futurama. You're but right. you know what Frank Welker was? I think you'll like this one. What? Megatron. Re- oh, that's so cool. Yep. Wow. Really. Now, I mean, that that proved my point because if you watch Scooby-Doo and you watch Transformers, they don't sound even close to the same. You don't need me to tell you that, obviously, but really, mm-hmm. that that is awesome. Let I, me make sure. He was in a few of them, but let me make sure. 
I thought I saw a clip way back when of him doing his Scooby voice and then transitioning into the Megatron voice like mid-sentence or whatever. See, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, he was... Oh, where is he? Uh-oh. But you said he was Megatron. Oh, he's Soundwave in that one. In the cartoons, he's Megatron. He's Soundwave ah, in the Ah, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Got to clarify. It's oh, still... he's in the Smurfs. Ah, cool, cool, cool. But you got that cast, and of course you've got the head writer. James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy and new, now Suicide Squad fame. Kind of hard to imagine. I mean, Davis, what? Just just let's start breaking it down. This movie, I mean, what do we think? Scooby-Doo 1. Scooby-Doo 1's not good. Really? It's, I mean, like, it has moments, but, like, overall, it is incoherent. Because that's true. There was a lot of jumping around. It Like, the plot, you can kind of piece it together, but all in all, it doesn't really make sense that much sense. But I feel like most of that's because the studio really changed up the like the script. Because James Gunn had an original vision that is nowhere close to what this ended up. That's being. true, and it's a bit alarming when you hear it. It was an R-rated satire, dark satire of Scooby Doo. What? Uh, I that I mean, that's really it. I mean, there's like they they gave some details about it. Uh, dark satire it was going to be PG-13 and featured a side relationship between Daphne and Velma. Shaggy was a stoner. Yeah. You got I, something to say, Alex? It, it's just... And, I mean, there's a lot of references to uh, Shaggy's favorite pastime in the movie anyway, but... Um, and yeah. James Gunn said the original cut ended up being R. <laughs> so, just to... Ma- that, mo- that cut is somewhere out there. <laughs> Unless it got, like, destroyed or something, like Fahrenheit 13 or whatever the thing is. What is that called? No, the book where they like burn the book. Fahrenheit 451. 451. Where did I get 13 from? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. They just, they're like, they looked at it, they're like, this is, they just burned it. They, they, they couldn't let it exist. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, a threat to our freedom. <laughs> I mean, I don't really, <laughs> it's just kind of alarming because I had not known that until you had told me, actually. I had never I had heard that before. I had never seen anything about it and looked into it anything. This is, it's just crazy. I mean, y'all. Could you imagine an R-rated Sco- live-action Scooby? If you've seen this, you know how it goes. There's a few like references that are kind of still in there. There's a lot yeah. of like there's a low-cut lot- tops and stuff on the women. It's early 2000s. <laughs> I'm just I don't want to say like it's, no, it's to, fair, it's fair, it's fair, it's fair. I don't know it's if I'm fair. allowed to say it's fair, yeah. it's fair, it's fair, it's fair. And there's a lot of bad fashion. There's a few curse words in there. There's there, one with there the are. Fred, the there Fred are, there, scene. There, there, there is a Fred. There is a Fred scene, but the the main and there's one goes, where, and later on, <laughs> she was like, "What?" I was like, "Later on." <laughs> that scene is ridiculous, and I mean, you know, it's funny because you're like, "Oh, this is a satire of Scooby Doo." I feel like it's just a satire of like t- early 2000s culture. Uh, I mean, a little no, bit. No, because like, like all, all the monsters are like supposed to be like fitting in, and they sound ridiculous, and like that's uh, the point. <laughs> Did you catch the new bit on the box, bro? <laughs> it was like crazy. It's like all I'm all Word. from the trance. Word. Word. <laughs> like no, like really, like you're like oh oh no, Alex, that is what 2000s styles and culture looked like, and I'm. The way I watched the movie, it feels like it was just James Gunn being like, "This is all stupid." You know, James Gunn probably dressed like that. It's the thing. I mean, yeah, but also like, like there's so many things that she's very heavy-handed. Look at how stupid this is. I will crush your bones into dust. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, uh, we should write like a dissertation about how Scooby Doo One is a satire <laughs> is, 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 of American is, is, culture. It's a commentary on 2003 American culture. I mean, no, really. I feel like if they got Weezer, then it would have been even more of a commentary. <laughs> that's true. That's so, true. so I mentioned Sugar Ray, and uh, you know, 
um, America's Band, led by Mark McGrath, showed up. But actually, James Gunn and the directors wanted Weezer, which Weezer is the definition of a 2000s band. I love them, but they are. And Weezer was like... They straight up refused. <laughs> they're like, we, we want no part of this chaotic <laughs> mess of a movie. And, I mean, it... <sighs> the question is, Davis, I have one, more, one important question to ask you. I've said that a lot, but I want... Top 10 greatest plot twist of all time. Spoiler, that Scrappy was in a robot? Yes. No. No. Scrappy-Doo being the bad guy is not a great plot twist. I felt well. They didn't really set it up. All they did is, or all they did is set it up was that he was in a van one time. There's no hints to it, so it was just like out of the blue. So I feel like plot twist. I know I'm getting serious on this, but it's like I know you're kind of joking, but like I feel like a plot twist has to like have some semblance of I you agree. can guess it. Like that's what M Night Shyamalan was good at. That's at true. At the beginning, he kind of like set it up like. Very, very slightly. That's true, and he he has he still has some movies where he, I think he handles that very well. I haven't seen The Village. Does he set it up in that one? The the one movie I think of is The Visit, where he sets it up great. I saw that for my birthday. With the so, grandparents. Wow. We, yeah, we should we should actually do those next week because that oh my, I have a good idea. But anyway, um, I yeah no, I, it was more it was more of a joke because it is a ridiculous twist, and it's very much. I think Scooby Doo Two does a lot better job. We'll get into that uh, in a couple minutes. But you're right, it is very just you know. Hey, remember that one flashback of lore? Um, yeah. He's back. Because <laughs> Velma has that whack, ridiculous, where she literally looks off into the distance mid-conversation to go to the flashback, which you is can, such You can tell this movie's been like cut up a ton by the studio. Yeah. It's, There's a lot of jumping added, around. They added like a love interest into Vel- for Velma, which yeah. wasn't originally in there. Because he just does, he shows them that he doesn't. And there's a lot of scenes where characters just appear in places where you're like, how did they get there? You're like, where did they like? They run up in, the, which that's how the cartoon works. But you know, a thirty or a thirty minute, you know. I feel like they didn't. Show. They didn't plan for it to be like that. In the second one, they feel like they definitely planned it to be more more cartoony that's in true. nature. But the first one was supposed to be like serious, and it just didn't work. That's true. But I will say one thing I love about this movie, and the second one does it better, but this one is great anyway. Is that they still incorporate little uh, cartoon elements like um, Shaggy and Scooby running away. They do like the dash. You know, very cartoon. They do um, the rapidly running legs on like a liquidy substance at the beginning of the movie, which, you know, that's just cheesy. But it just it really makes it 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 is a faithful adaptation. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. But when it comes down to the core of the show, it is a rather faithful adaptation. It's it's ridiculous because the simple fact is, as a cartoon, it can get away with stuff like that. Being a ridiculous show, being you know the oh old man this guy or oh you know the gang realizes it and it's like like. The exposition that a cartoon show can get away with, the movie can't. But it is a very—I feel like it's a very faithful adaptation, really. The second one more so, but I feel like the first one has moments where, you're like, this is them taking that show and putting it on the big screen with you know tweaks here and there. Mm. I feel like it was the original plan wasn't to be a direct oh, adaptation. Oh no, the original but plan then, wasn't. Then the studio's like, here, make it more like it for the kids. Yeah, because I, I, I don't. My mom doesn't like this movie because it's too adult. Yeah, no, it's it. it ladies and gentlemen, it is a odd, odd movie. We briefly hinted at some stuff, but it's yeah, it's weird. It's it's a weird movie, and it's it's a bit ridiculous of a movie. And it is Davis talked about Treasure Planet being dated by the grunge song. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, there is no movie more dated in my, that I've ever seen than this film. Oh, for sure. The fashion. Mm-mm. Like, let me let me be clear on something. If I watched Seven. And this movie, which I actually did. I watched Seven yesterday, so I'm watching these back-to-back. If I told you which movie came out first, 
I'm honestly not sure if Scooby Doo came out before set or came out after seven because seven doesn't even feel dated. It has a typewriter, and that's about it. Scooby Doo is like, all right, did we say cliche two thousand song? Did we say another cliche two thousand song? Did we say a third cliche Sugar Ray? Okay, but there's some good some of those songs. No, I gotta admit. They put some good songs in Davis, there. Davis, like, make no right mistake times. about it. I like early 2000 songs, but it's still dated. But they put them at the like the perfect times. Yep. I agree. I agree. And it, no, I, I, again. And then it goes good. from Sugar Ray to later on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But so the plot. If you haven't seen this, the plot is that let's try to let's try to <laughs> wade through this. Let's plot try, okay. Can can I give it a little bit of a shot? Yes. Because I just saw it, so I'm maybe a little more. Of course, you've seen it a million times. I've All right, so. The movie opens with them uh, in the middle of dealing with a ghost, and the plan goes horribly awry, as it always does. That's a cool opening scene, too, because it's kind of like I agree. they actually solving a mystery. I agree. And you know they solve it, they figure out who it is, but things are going haywire all the time. Velma comes up with a plan, Fred takes credit for afterwards, and they start making jokes, but it, it feels tense. There's a, there's a feeling of tension between the gang, and they get to the van, and they're like, we're done. We're splitting off. So then it fast forwards a few years later, I think. It's maybe two years later. I can't remember. Yeah, something like and, that. And uh, Shaggy and Scooby are cooking in the van. <laughs> it's a, that, There's an innuendo in that scene that I'll let you all discover for yourselves. But uh, somebody approached them, inviting them to a spooky island. They go to the airport to fly to the spooky island, which is where my favorite scene in the entire film comes in, which is, of course, when Scooby dresses as a grandmother. And Fred has no idea who it is, as do a number of people. They think it's a grandmother, not Scooby-Doo, including as the Fisher's character. And they learn they've all been invited to this spooky island by this billionaire who created this theme park to solve a mystery. The billionaire played by Mr. Bean. So they arrive there. They're like, something's going wrong where the people are arriving the island, early 2000s college students, and leaving late 2000s college students. So there's that. they got to figure it out. I don't really know where to go from here. I don't want to go too detailed. But, I mean... They learn that it's these uh, monsters that are actually uh, taking over people's bodies and sending their ectoplasmic souls into this little, like, tub, right? Yes. This is ridiculous. And they're <laughs> trying to use the souls to power Scrappy to become the most powerful being in the universe and, like, take over the world, something like that. That's but they need, they need Scooby's pure soul to complete it. <laughs> that's that's it. Oh, that's a that's Scoobert. Yeah, that's his name. That's like that's canon. That's his name. His name. It's just and funny. And Shaggy's is Norville Shaggy Rogers. I know. I know. It's just funny. Good old Especially Scoob. Mr. Bean says Scoobert. Oh, Scoobert. Scoobert. And yeah, that um Yeah. That's the movie, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you like we kind of wrapped it up but like it jumps around so much yeah. it doesn't really make sense. It's kind of chaotic. There's the whole soul switching scene, which is just weird. It is it's just weird. That's all I can say about it, ladies and gentlemen. It's this movie weird. is entertaining, though. It, oh, it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. And I will say, I'll be bold here. Hmm? No matter what, I think one of the undisputed things that this, these movies got right was turning Daphne away from the damsel in distress character, because she's not. Well, they just kind of flipped all the characters on their head for this, or a few of them. They fit, Fred was like always a smart guy, in it, but now he's... Just an idiot. He's, he's reading. He's reading his book, Fred on Fred. Oh yeah, Fred on Fred. Uh, the the many faces of me, and then he reads it on the plane after writing the book. We're not really sure what's going and then, on. And then and then he walks in right after they mention mindless zombies. So it's obviously saying he's a mindless zombie. But 
and then Daphne's obviously not. She's like training karate and all that, and then she beats up the the uh, the wrestler. That no, but that's that, that's true. Is like I would say that like in the second movie, it really goes back to the original thing. But Daphne stays where she is at, which I think was a great thing because. The damsels in distress thing only works so much, and in reality, having a character that can actually film themselves is just better. Like, this is not a matter of, oh, the old ways, this is just, I just feel like when I'm watching a movie, a useless character that is there to get caught is just boring. And there's not really much they can do, and in this one, you know, the, this is the first movie she's trying to break out of that trend, she has a very triumphant fight with the uh, super strong dude, whose name I cannot remember. What are those, but, it's like... He, he's a famous mass wrestler, he, this no, guy. No, it's like, what, what do you call those, though? Oh, uh, luchadors. Luchadors. Or lucha libres. Actually, one or the other. Um, no, wait, Lucha Libre is the style. Luchador is the name of them. Very impressive, um, Alex. Alex knows his what can I say? Uh, I know wrestling history. Speaking <laughs> of wrestling, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> wrote for WWE? Formerly WWF at the time, I believe. What? But yeah, it's... Uh, like, he didn't do any movies after this. But he wrote after Scooby-Doo? Yes, after this he oh, started so writing. Oh, so it would have been WWE and he, like, he time, didn't. Then. he doesn't really do movies anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. And he didn't really do many movies. Or him and Matthew Lillard didn't really do that many. That's true. That's in true. Late two thousands. I mean, yeah, they they made their money at Scooby Doo, and we're like, all right, we're out of here. But I mean, I just feel like that was a good step in the right direction, and because I feel like in the sequel, and again, we can get into it in a minute, but in the sequel, they uh, put him back where they, you know, are in a cart in the cartoon, and Daphne sort of is like, nah, we're gonna stay with the whole, which it works because again just makes the story more interesting you know because when she's on screen you're like oh she's gonna get captured it's like you know there's something there the thing is with this movie it is shaggy and scooby's movie That's they, true. they did make some stuff for the other characters but like they're kind of background characters shaggy and scooby shaggy and scooby's like carry the show they're the funniest That's true. they're they're the most time on screen the they're the 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 mood the movie the reason they're on the islands because of scooby yeah the biggest storylines are shaggy and scooby's uh you know like reconnection at the end and shaggy's relationship with isla fisher's character whose name is mary jane Shaggy loves that name, is what he says. He says that that this just direct quote, ladies and gentlemen. He says that is literally my favorite name. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't do that with what do with that what you will or something like that. Um, I butchered that quote. But yeah, I mean, it, it, they are the stars of this movie, and I think it's good because I think Matthew Lillard is he's a great Shaggy. He is. He's a good live action Shaggy, and they made like two other live action Scooby Doo's after this, like later on, and later on, but. <laughs> They made one in 2009. I remember I watched. It was okay. This Shaggy's not near as good. The Fred has brown hair. Like, what? It's not as good. They made, like, a new one recently with Velma and Daphne. I heard it wasn't very good. I keep up, I keep yeah. up with it. And Matthew Lillard. I saw that movie. Was it good? I've never been more scared in my life than when I watched that movie. <laughs> Why? It was so bad, It like, like, it hurt. Like, I've seen, you know, I love a bad movie. I do. That movie was so awful, I was kind of in awe. It's on Hulu. It's awful. I'm not going to watch it. Ladies and gentlemen, do not watch that movie. Um, most of the cast, do they really hate the film? Yes. I saw you wrote that down. But wait, why'd they do the second one that they hated it? Money. And they're probably under contract, too, honestly. Man, this is the point that they hate. I think it'd just be But Matthew Lillard likes it more now, I've heard, because he, cause all the, a lot of the fans were like, hey, he's a pretty good Shaggy. And then after that, he did a lot of uh, uh, cartoon. He did the Shaggy really? voice for, I think, What's New Scooby-Doo? He did this voice for Shaggy, the one I used to watch He has a good kid. voice. And of course, you wrote it down here. Um, Lillard would scream until he's hoarse so he could do the shaggy voice, but started imitating his hoarseness to save time and his throat. But Davis, you do an impression just fine. No, I'm not going to do it. Do it. I don't want to do it. It's not that good. It is good. Do it. 
No, I don't want to do, do it. I'll do, do it. it if I find a quote. I'll do it. All right, all right, fine. That's fair. But your 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 Scooby get, your Scooby a, one might be better than the other. It one is anyway. better than my Shaggy. Well, you should do both of them at some point. If I can, if there's like a quote I can bring up, I will. <laughs> all right, all right, Davis. All right. That's my cue um, that I'm not gonna do. <laughs> no, boo. That's no fun. That's no fun at all. But I mean, <laughs> you got it wrote down here, Tim Curry. Long-time Scooby-Doo fan turned down he is. the Mr. Bean role just because he hated Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> that's, that's I've read that, but he was in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. He was like Ravencroft or something like that. He was the main guy in it. Really? Yeah. That's a good movie, too. We should do an episode on the three, like, I watched a whole 50-minute, like, YouTube essay on those three movies. Davis, you need, you need, you need Cyber Chase? Cyber Chase is so good. Or is it Cyber Chase? Because that's, that's the show with, with Gilbert Godfrey as the, the math bird. No, it is Cyber Chase because they go through. That's a good one. Which is Ghost, and then they had Zombie Island, which is my favorite out of the three, which is also the scariest. That one scared me as a kid. I like the uh, pirate ship one with the crew, the the skeleton crew that takes over the cruise ship. That one's that's like from two thousand nine. That one's good, and has has Fred's dad in it. Yeah, that's why I like it. I mean, it's good, but like the three I'm talking about came in like nineteen ninety eight. Oh, yeah, no Cyber Chase two. I'm gonna where is the pirate one? I'm gonna Google when that came out. Two thousand six, dude. Okay, five years after Cyber Chase. But the thing is that they released, so like Warner Brothers, they're like, hey, we need some Scooby-Doo movies that we don't have a really a good show going. So we're going to do three like direct-to-DVD movies, and they were like really good quality. It's Cyber Chase, uh, Zombie Island, and Witches Ghost, which are all pretty good. And they're probably one up at the top tier, top tier of Scooby-Doo like cartoon movies, and they just kind of, they just released them. And they're good. I think Zombie Island's freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think Zombie Island's very good. I but again, Cyber Chase is just so cool. Like, I really And the animation forms, I really like the anim- I might watch those later, honestly. Honestly, they're very good movies, so I I can imagine why you would. Are you ready for number two? I think I think we're you ready to move on to number two. I mean, I think we covered it all. This movie's ridiculous. It's absurd. And number two has my favorite scene in the whole universe. Number two is just such a better movie. But number two actually has 22% of Rotten Tomatoes compared to 30% for number one. I think that's the whole, you know, uh, sequels are just automatically hated more because you've seen it done, but yeah, I think it's true. funnier. I think everything they take, they take it up a level and in a good way. This one's... I love this one. Like, this is like yeah. genuine, like, you know, like uh, guilty pleasure movies. This is my number one. I could just watch this. This movie is hilarious to me. This movie like, is very, very funny. Like you, like probably don't laugh. Like there's so many scenes where like James Gunn like knocked it out of the park for. Oh me. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a, it's such a funny movie. Because I feel it, like I feel like this one's more focused because he didn't they didn't he had to go through all the rewrites of not having an R-rated movie. He just kind of stuck to the kind of kid, but also to the teens. And maybe to some of the adults that watched it when they were kids as well. So it kind of fits all of them in there. This movie's... I can't say that. I can't curse on here, can I? No, you cannot. Gosh. What were you going to... Just say it later, I guess. Not yeah, now, I'll just say it later. How fun is that? Yeah. This movie kicks butt. There you go. There you gonna... go. <laughs> there you go. Boom, problem solved. Yeah, Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, give Davis an applause for once again holding his tongue. We love to see it. We do. Um. Yeah, yeah, I held my tongue on that the Fred quote. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the movie didn't blow any punches like, there either. I was like, later on, later on. <laughs> That's absurd. Um, but yeah, this movie. I mean, Davis, I broke down the first plot. You break down the second one, don't you? Okay, the plot. Okay, so this one, this one's kind of nonsensical a little bit too, but it makes a little more sense. It makes it's a little more connected, coherent. So it starts out 
They drive up in the mystery limousine. The stretch mystery. This is, I love this scene when they get out of the stretch limousine. This whole scene is argue, is the, one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It's so funny. And they start walking up the stairs. They're like going to the grand opening of the mystery or the mystery Inc. museum. It has all their, it has all of their monsters that they yep. caught. And Seth Green's the curator of the museum. That's Seth Green for Robot Chicken. And in, he was in It, the original It. Really, the yes. original original. Yes. Wow. There's a lot of kids. Wow, I did not know that. Boom. Crazy. And of course, this scene has where they all meet their fans, which is Scooby barking at dogs, Velma meeting just Nerds. basically Velma. Yeah. Daphne meeting a bunch of weird dudes that have her tattooed on their chest. Fred meeting a bunch of hot ladies, basically. That's kind of like the and thing. And Shaggy finds his friends by their his smell. He smells uh, smoke, so. Hey, we don't know that. We, you don't see the smoke. You do. You actually do. I mean, yeah, it, you it, do. It, they're cooking food. Yeah, it's all the food. Yeah. Because he's a vegan. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he is. Actually. Interesting trivia, Shaggy's a vegan because Casey Kasem, the original voice actor, Wanted him to be vegan because he was actually vegan in real life. He said, "I will." He was like, "I'm not going to voice Shaggy if he's." Is it vegan or vegetarian? Oh, I don't know the difference. You don't know the difference, do you? Yes. Is vegan the one where they eat eggs? No. Vegetarian's the one where they eat eggs. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because vegan don't eat anything produced by animals. Yeah. Vegans don't eat anything. Okay, I think he's vegetarian then. Yeah. That's also. You want to hear something funny? Sure. So while we're on the etarian e- food things, you know, pescatarian? Yeah. For the longest time, I, I thought it was a pescatarian because people just said it, a pescatarian. So I go, yeah, I'm not a pescatarian. Ladies so, and gentlemen, we're off the rails. I told Davis to talk about the plot and we already lost it. Oh, sorry. That's what happened with me. But then they go in there and they're like, the grand opening, they're looking at all their things. And then it turns out that one of them's alive. And it steals. It's the pterodactyl ghost, and it steals some of the the some of the other things, some of the other costumes that they've th- that they've uh, busted, like uh, the thousand volt ghost, the minor forty nine er, minor forty nine er, classic from the cartoons, uh, Captain Cutler's ghost. I love that episode. That one. Ah, uh, we're not gonna talk about that. If we had a Scooby Doo episode, I'd yeah, talk about exactly. Some, I remember so many things. Yeah, same for me. Same for me. They should have gotten the kooky, like the kooky, the alien kook. That is probably one of my favorite ones. You actually see him in there where he's like, ah, he's the like he has the dome and stuff. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And they're in the they're in like the abandoned air field. Uh, but I dive, digress. And then like, what happens then? Like Shaggy and Scooby mess up, and then the pterodactyl ghost gets away. So they're all sad, and they're like, we want to be real heroes. So they go, and they find a lead in this place in like a mansion that the rest of the gang finds a book, and then. They go to a bar. What happens after that? Then they meet up at a mine where Shaggy and Scooby accidentally make all the monsters come to life. And then that's kind of where everything kicks off. Yeah. That and then I mean this movie, it just it it just you watch it just feels better. It, it just does. it feels funnier. It feels a bit more inventive. You know, it Velma's love interest is actually, you know In the movie. A character. He has some weird scenes. Like, it's like he's like a... They're setting him up to like, oh, wait, who's the villain? Is it Seth Green or is it... They don't have any other, like... Or I guess Old Man Smithers or whatever his name is. It's... Yeah. And they have, like, Seth Green beat some people up and then he, and then he like, scares Shaggy and Scooby as a joke. Yeah, it it's, it's very sort of, you know, like... Like, 
doing that twist where like the cliffhanger is your character seeing somebody sh- and they're like, oh my gosh, look at this guy off screen. And then it's like, you know, their friend that they knew and you're like, why were they shocked? It's just somebody they knew. Yeah. Sa- same thing applies. They're just writing it to be a twist. But it's, I don't get what, I guess Shaggy and Scooby are pretty, they're cowards, obviously, but <laughs> Seth Green's 5'4", and he like, he like made 6'4", Matthew Lillard, Shaggy, flinch. Just funny to me. Seth Green is short. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Matthew Lillard is tall. That that Davis with high quality analysis. But you know, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when they go to the 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 criminal bar that they where they all hate Scooby and Shaggy and the rest of the gang because that's like the all the criminals that they got caught hang out there and then they have a dance sequence in the middle of it. Yep, and Scooby has a hilariously ridiculous afro, <laughs> which is just. He goes, Rayo, baby. <laughs> there you go. There's your Scooby impression. You may, is you happy now? Yeah, I am actually. I may, yeah, I am. I, I, I have no problem. And yeah. that's that's another that's another thing where they don't realize Scooby's a dog, and someone <laughs> is actually attracted to Scooby. <laughs> what on earth were these movies? They're good, is what they are. I, I don't. It, it, it's so bizarre and ridiculous, but also it's so much fun. I mean, they're so absurd, but it's just funny. And you know what my favorite scene is. First of all, first of all, let me be clear. Like, ladies and gentlemen, I could not tell you how many of these jokes from these movies dominated my childhood. Most notably, the fart off that Scooby and Shaggy have in Scooby-Doo 1. I just remembered it now. That, I mean, that one is just the amount. Like, I, I, I imitated Shaggy's whole, like, routine. <laughs> Because it was so absurd. Honestly, I didn't think that was that funny when I was a kid. <laughs> of course, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, I was just like, I thought, oh, I mean, like, farts were funny as a kid, obviously. But I was like, I didn't think it was the that The thing funny. is, is that the Scooby and Shaggy scenes are ultimately a hundred times funnier when you're watching them with your brother who's very close to your age. And you can just do them off of each other. Because that's what it was. We, we would both just, like, do routines <laughs> from these movies because they're so absurd. That was one of them. Um... Uh, my goodness. Uh, let me. Let, I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, from honestly, most of what Fred said when he was taken by the monster in the first movie, I I said repeatedly. Um, and then the sequel. Uh, when they're in Old Man Smither, no, Old Man Wickles, is as it in like yeah. as in like pickles. Um, okay. his house, <laughs> and they they meet the knight and. Velma does all these ridiculous calculations of the point of weakness, and it just ends up being his groin, and you're like. I, I do like the scene where they're looking for clues and Scooby just gets like a toilet brush and he starts singing the Frank Sinatra Strangers in the Night, which is where they actually got the name for Scooby-Doo. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. Really? Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Really? So Frank Sinatra does in it. Cool. Boom. I got this. I got all this Scooby-Doo trivia in Clearly, my head. clearly. I feel test, but if gun to my head, name some Scooby-Doo trivia, I'm good. I'm good. But what, you were saying that, oh, that was just the thing that you... Yeah, I, I really uh, like that scene where he's like, ooh, a clue! And, and, and he, he, just, up he like, passes <laughs> up the diary yes. that says, do not read. Yeah, and then it's like, top secret, don't open. He picks up like sunglasses instead. I, I think that's pretty funny. And then, you know, Velma's like calculating with all this... Redi- and, you know, one of the things that I love about these movies is that Velma just says nonsense. She just says stuff that makes no sense the whole time. And in the sequel, it's just amped up to an 11 She's like calculating the angle of the sun and the amount of clouds in the sky and like the position of the moon. And I'm like, what? And then she's like, the weak point must be here. And she kicks the knight and the knight says, right in the round tables, which I said for at least 
three years of my life. I am not kidding. My mom can attest to this. <laughs> my mom knows for a fact because, my goodness, I thought that was so funny. And let, let's be clear on something, ladies and gentlemen. I did not get the get the um the joke that it was because he's a knight and you know Camelot. I nope didn't know that at all. I just thought it was very very funny. <laughs> but you didn't get the joke. You thought it was funny. I just thought no. it was hilarious. I don't know. I never heard the round tables as a euphemism before. So I think I might have used that as a kid too. Honestly, I I thought it was so funny. And I mean, me and Jackson said that forever. I'm not convinced you still don't say that. I don't, I haven't said that in so because when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this line, my childhood, it's back. I mean, I love love that scene and that ridiculous. Look. I mean, that's just for you know, for a lot of kids, these movies, for better or for worse, were part of their childhood. Yes. They, I mean, they were iconically ridiculous. I had some toys for the first one. I think I did too, maybe a couple. Um, but yeah, Davis, what is your favorite scene in this sequel? Because you like this one a lot more than I do. I, I genuinely love this movie. It's not it's not going to break any of my top tens or anything. Maybe guilty pleasure ones. But the scene with the potions, where they're like they start drinking the potions and Scooby becomes like like so smart. He becomes Einstein. He's got <laughs> yes. the little hair. But I I have I have a uh, I have some trivia for that scene. Oh Probably boy. Get a little bit further. Uh, originally, they were gonna. They had a few more gags written down, and one of them was Scooby turned into George Bush, then President <laughs> George W. Bush, and they were like, "Yeah, maybe let's not do that one." So they were like, "Actually, maybe we'll just do a two D Scooby Doo, a two D Scooby Doo, like the drawing one." They're like, "Yeah, let's maybe not do that one either because they'll realize how bad three D Scooby Doo looks." Yeah, I, I think it's important to mention the CGI is not aged well at. All when I say one where age is by their music and certainly by the CGI. And where I think the the monsters look really good actually. Maybe a bit for the for the tar monster not as much, but like the thousand volt ghosts I thought looked pretty good for CGI and like Captain Color looks awesome. Yeah, I agree. But but they ended up doing the Tasmanian Devil instead, where he goes like I'm the Tasmanian Devil, which I think that was just a cool like you know oh yeah uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah. I mean yeah exactly as you know which I mean that's the best thing to do with but. What would the George? Would it just become George Bush? Or would you become like Scooby, like looking like George Bush? Because you know, that's he, what I'm, well, the, he didn't become Albert Einstein. He became Scooby with Albert Einstein's hair. Oh my gosh! So like, would, would they, they like mold his face? Well, they'd have to because they couldn't actually get George Bush. Would I don't know? Would he? Would George Bush have shown up for the to the okay, set of Scooby Doo? Hear me out. They should have said George Bush is not going to do it. So let's just get Will Ferrell doing his impression of George Bush. To do it because at this fun. time, let's let's be clear on something. At around the time this movie was made, Will Ferrell was becoming a household name off of his George Bush impression alone. It was so funny, and I think that would have been hilarious. Of course, I do wonder why they decided not to go with it other than just you know that's a bad idea. I feel like what? there's quite a few reasons why they didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm like you know like one main reason because they nothing else stopped them. That's <laughs> true. Uh. <laughs> They're like, you know what? George has too much bad PR at this time. We can't have him in our film. He did have a lot of bad PR at that time. <laughs> I mean... Now all he does is paint, so maybe he will be in a Scooby-Doo movie one day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Scooby-Doo, live action 2030. George Bush shows up. I'm back. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> you're imagining it now, aren't you? I just like George Bush. That Imagine... If, that's, uh, you know what? That That is very much a just, you know... Sitting in the writer's room for 24 hours, throwing everything at the wall, see what sticks. You reach hour 16, somebody says Scooby becomes George Bush, everybody's cackling. 
You put it in the script. That would be, I would you, probably laugh. You put it in the script, and you know, Matthew Lillard looks at his scene, and he's like, what in the world is this? He turns into a woman in that scene. <laughs> Some very bad CGI with the head replacement. <laughs> the head replacement is bad. You can like see it like shifting off. The head replacement is bad. That, he also becomes super buff. He's like, just check out my pecs, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... <laughs> this is a funny movie. I want to be this way forever. <laughs> and then after he goes, dude, that was <laughs> like, dude, that was like my first year of college. <laughs> Woo! There it is, folks. <laughs> I'm done for the night. <laughs> Thank you. All of our viewers, thank you. Did you hear the door shut? Do you think they heard the door shut? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they thought he actually did leave. Oh, hopefully. Oh, my <sighs> goodness. <laughs> I mean, this movie is... Let me just... Let's not forget, you know, we mentioned Seth Green. Alicia Silverstone of six... Uh, wait, no. Of Clueless, not 16 Candles. My, mis my mistake, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. To any, to any teenage girls that woke up in the 80s, I apologize. My mistake. Of Clueless fame is in this movie, or Alicia Silverstone of Batman and Robin fame. <laughs> oh, she was she a Batwoman, she, right? No, she's Batgirl technically. Oh, what? Well, I mean, no, no. Um, literally, Batwoman is not Barbara Gordon is exclusively Batgirl. So who's Batwoman? Um, other people. Oh, yeah, I don't. I know. didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah, know it's, that. it's weird. It's a because it, it it's basically more of an excuse to have you know multiple Bat people at the same time. Like, oh, you got Batwoman Bat and Batgirl. Batman. I mean, no, I mean, really, actually, really, but and of course. Cohen Brothers' favorite person on the planet and one of my favorite actors, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson is underrated. Limited screen time in this movie. Screen screen time in this movie. I mean, I feel like he might have been he might have been too high budget for him. <laughs> they gotta play. Uh, they gotta pay uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Um, sixty million dollars. This movie's like, all right, well, can't can't afford Tim Blake Nelson, but he can't forget he's in this. I mean, he's um, in some good movies. What was he? He was in Holes around that time. He was, yeah. He's in a lot of the Coen Brothers movies. He was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I love he? that movie. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah. And then uh, John Totoro and George Clooney. Exactly. Exactly. Um, a couple of fun facts that Davis had written down. My goodness, we got quite a bit. Um, uh, all the actors did their own stunts for this movie. All the costumes were fully functional and had trivia on the plaques. That's cool. That's cool. I think that's... Michael Rooker was going to have a role in this movie. Ooh. I feel like he probably would have been Jonathan Jacobo, if anything. Yeah, I'm thinking of Michael Rooker is, he's the guy from The Walking Dead, Daryl's brother, right? Correct. Uh, Yondu as well from Gardens of the Galaxy. He is Yondu. So, yeah, I think he could have been a good Jonathan Jacobo. Which, it's important to mention that um, Who's the villain James Gunn movie? has always had a uh, a um, a preference for Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is going to be in the Suicide Squad as well. Michael Rooker is good. He's a great actor. I, I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of this, uh, the Scooby-Doo ID just ran on the, uh, on the radio, right. so... Ladies and gentlemen, if you were happen to be listening to Weagle 91 FM at 7.50 p.m. on Friday, October 16th, you just heard the Scooby-Doo ID during the Scooby-Doo Through the Lens podcast. But you know, is. so we didn't, I didn't, we went to the plot, but we didn't really get to the end, the twist, the twist we were talking yeah, about. Of course, of course. Is that Alicia Silverstone's character, Heather Jasper Howe, who's like the, the, uh, the newscaster that's dragging Mr. Ink through the mud. That's true. Which is she, on purpose as part of the plan. It turns out to actually be Jonathan Jacobo, Tim Blake Nelson in a mask. So it was just Mission Impossible the whole time. And he was in deep. Tim Blake Nelson was in deep for this. He went the long con. Alex, you, you were talking to me about it earlier about 
how far he had to go for this plan. Yeah. He, he like, ladies and gentlemen, this one makes no sense. The first one, you know, Scrappy just takes the billionaire over and is like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the robot billionaire now. It's what it works. This one, he does not impersonate anybody. He gets out of prison somehow, starts dressing up as um, Heather Jasper Howe for a while in order to then earn a, jo- a job at the number one news station in the city. Syndicated. Exactly. Yep. Yep. He somehow gets that job. He develops a relationship with her, with his, with her, his or her cameraman. <laughs> I, I mean, no, that's and they cuddled. That, that, there's a part there's where he goes, part, we cuddle. There's a part where he says that, and that he got Ned got catfished. Ned's the name of the cameraman that got catfished. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's to the point where you're like, Ned can't be Ned. So Fred's like, Ned turns out to be, and then pulls there's like Ned. And it's like. <laughs> Like, you just don't believe it because it's, it's like, what? okay, so I have to ask the question, did he, like, kidnap Heather Jasper Howe and, like, take on her persona, or was he always Heather Jasper Howe? I think he always was, is the interpretation, because why why would you not type the loose end of finding her? Yeah, I guess that's, which is why it makes <laughs> so no how sense. how long has he been? Heather Jasper Howe, I don't know. She had to, he had to climb up the ranks from, like, writing scripts and stuff to becoming the number one news reporter. How did they never notice? We're just not gonna, not gonna worry about that. I don't know. I I have no idea. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Um. I don't. But yeah, Michael Rooker might have been a good Tim Blake Nelson in this. Jonathan Jacobo. I feel like maybe Michael Rooker took it down, turned it down because, uh, or maybe he didn't get it because. Well, I don't. I don't Who else would he have been in this movie? Maybe he's going to have a different role entirely. I don't know. Oh, it could have been one of the ghosts or something. One of the monsters. Possibly. That's possible. That's possible. I mean, this movie, ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely absurd. It epitomizes early 2000s movies. Is this one of the better cartoon adaptations to the big screen? When we mean cartoon adaptation, are we saying from cartoon to non or including cartoon just a live action film? Because we all know what the best cartoon... Uh, Feature-length film. You say Transformers or something? No. SpongeBob. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, just a transition between oh, okay. them. From, like, okay. cartoon to live action or from live action to cartoon. Okay, okay, so, like, Transformers, Scooby-Doo, yes. uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Space You Jam? watch Roger Rabbit, technically, since that has some Looney Tunes in it. That's true. I mean, it's yeah, not Space one Jam. of the best, but it's certainly not the worst. And, I mean, we all know what the worst are, Transformers 4 and 5, so that's that. I mean, you know. Okay, I, but yeah, because they made the Flintstones with uh, John Goodman. Remember that, that movie's absurd. I love. I kind of love that movie, but also it's like, oh, it's they bad. They made G.I. Joe. I did not like that movie. Albert and the Chipmunks. Uh-oh. <laughs> they made Fat Albert, Albert and the Chipmunks again. I, Dudley Do-Right with Brendan Fraser. Really? I forgot about that. Huh. They made, they made He-Man, George of the Jungle. I think, oh, Maleficent. I think Maleficent probably wins it. Yeah. Dang. Scooby-Doo is about to win. Casper, Ma- Ma- I think, Maleficent, I would say, definitely wins it. Okay, but are we counting, oh, do we count Disney live-action adaptations? You count Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, and all those, too. I would still give Maleficent the run. No, I know that, oh. but like, where would Scooby-Doo rank um, in that? Honestly, Scooby-Doo's original, so I'd put them ahead of a bunch, actually. But do we include the same? Yeah. Scooby-Doo's okay. original. Give it to him. Well, yeah. I feel like I think we kind of 
it said all we could say. A lot of it was just us saying our favorite scenes and doing quotes. But if you've seen the movie, you'll understand. I mean, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. There's not much to talk about. If you haven't seen this movie, believe me, this podcast should make you want to see this movie. There's no way you shouldn't want to see this movie because this if movie, you, ladies and gentlemen, If you grew up watching Scooby-Doo, then you should watch Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed at the least because that movie is hilarious. It's so absurdly ridiculous. I've said that a bunch already tonight. Um, I'll keep saying it because it's hilarious and... You know what? No. Oh, what? What's the uh, where Shaggy breaks the fourth wall? Oh, what did he say? We were just watching. Oh, where he's it. talking about the montage thing. It's like, oh yeah, he's like, th- okay, this is my one. <laughs> this is ridiculous to me. I, there's a lot of things I want to mention because I wanted to talk about it on the show. So there's a point where uh, Mystery Incorporated's uh, headquarters is uh, you know, like taken over to where like they can't be there, so they got to go to their old high school clubhouse. Like, we haven't been there in years. They go in there, pristine, lights on. There, there's like a leaf in the corner. Oh, the overgrown. No dust, no anything. It's absurd. And, of course, then there's a ridiculous montage. And then Shaggy Scooper on the outside. Shaggy's like, I feel like they're having a, mo- a good montage in there. And I'm just, because, like, there's an old thing where, like, Fred is a blowtorch. And, like, I forgot, I forgot to say one thing. I keep doing this. Thank you for, because uh, now it's jogging memory. My favorite scene, ladies and gentlemen. The Black Knight and and Fred go at it in one of the greatest scenes in the history of modern cinema. To Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive, <laughs> Fred finds a pristine, I say pristine motorcycle in a junkyard. Not a scratch on it. Gets a pole and joust a He's strong ghost. to pull that pole out of the ground. Indeed, just he is. straight up. He is. He just yanks it. And I mean, I mean, the... The guitar riff hits right when he whips the motorcycle around, and I'm telling you, that scene had me hype. I was like, you got him, Fred, but then he doesn't. You know what's crazy? That's probably a lot of kids' introduction to Bon Jovi. It was mine. (laughs) Every time I'm going to, like... That and then Deadliest Catch. I hadn't seen that in so long. I'm probably going to think of that whenever I hear Bon Jovi from now on. That and then the Deadliest Catch intro theme, when they just play that as a wave, just hits a boat, and you're like, oh my god. Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's getting crazy out here, ladies and gentlemen. And who can forget him with the fact that Fred immediately hates uh, toxic masculinity of the Black Knight? Yeah, I was, t- I was watching. What did he say? What did he say? The to- he was like, he was like, hey, I'm talking to Daphne here, and he goes, <laughs> and he says something. He's like, hey, man, you want, do you need to talk? You yeah. seem kind of sad. It's you're, okay you're, to be no, sensitive. You're, you're just afraid to reveal your sensitive side. The 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 uh, macho facade isn't fooling anybody. Yeah. It's like what. Yeah, what? Fred is against toxic masculinity. <laughs> Which the Black Knight is perpetuating gender roles by playing into toxic masculinity. I've been learning that in English. I've been writing papers about it. I will write a dissertation about the Black Knight and how he is playing into gender roles. Okay, so we'll both write dissertations. You'll write one on the Black Knight. I'll write one on how Scooby Doo One is literally just a satire of early two thousands oh, culture. Can, I can write about how Scooby Doo Two is breaking down gender roles in in modern day America. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Scooby-Doo should have won an Oscar. That's right. James Gunn got snubbed. Freddie Prince Jr., we're getting you your Oscar, brother. <laughs> Matthew Lillard really should have got one, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's the best part but, of those movies. That's easily. true. Easily. And, I mean, Lin- Linda Car- Cardellini plays the second best role. She's probably the most accomplished actor to come out of that. Yeah, or the best agree. actor, that is. I would agree. She's done a host of things since then. And she was actually in a, another Scooby-Doo thing. Really? She was in Mystery Incorporated as a side character. Ah, cool, cool. She was also in, uh, she sh- showed up in the show ER, actually, later on in its run. Much later, though. The one so. where the guy, the helicopter fell on that guy? Yep. <laughs> That's exactly it. 
But you know, you know how that sets up though. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> he gets he gets his arm cut off beforehand at a helicopter, and then he and then he goes up onto a, uh, onto the roof, to, and it gets flashbacks. So he goes outside, but the helicopter follows him, and then crashes on top of it. <laughs> that is. A perfect ending to this podcast, wouldn't you agree? I guess so. But yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Scooby Two or Scooby Doo One, Scooby Doo Two, Monsters Unleashed. If you haven't seen them, go and watch them. And we will see you later on. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Through the Lens. Mm-hmm.